Hello and welcome. You are listening to an informed take on current events brought to you by law students and staff of Queen's University Belfast. This is LawPod. Welcome to LawPod. I am Lauren Dempster. I'm a lecturer in the School of Law at Queen's University, Belfast, and I'm joined today by Dr. Matthew Evans. This episode is the latest in our mini-series, which explores a recently published, edited collection, uh, Beyond Transitional Justice, Transformative Justice and the State of the Field or Non-Field, which is edited by Matthew, and it was published by Routledge earlier this year, so in 2022. So in this episode, we are joined by Matt to discuss his individual contribution to the the collection, which is a chapter entitled Beyond Disciplines, Beyond Fields and Beyond Transitional Justice. So we have an earlier episode where Matt discusses the collection overall. So you can go back uh, on our website and find that if if you want to listen, if you haven't already. Uh, But today we're talking about Matt's individual chapter. So Matt, could you uh, briefly introduce yourself for our listeners and then I'll, I'll ask you a few questions about your chapter. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Matthew Evans, as you've uh, already said, and uh, I am a senior lecturer in law, politics and sociology at the University of Sussex, and I'm also a visiting researcher in the Department of Political Studies at the University of the Witwatersrand, Johannesburg. And uh, yeah, I wrote uh, chapter four, Beyond Disciplines, Beyond Fields, Beyond Transitional Justice, in the collection that I edited, which is also called Beyond Transitional Justice. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to hear what questions you have about it. So. Yeah, I mean, I was delighted to see your chapter. My own research has always been very interdisciplinary and the the notion of transitional justice as a field or a discipline or indeed how useful those terms are, how much we should be sort of constrained by, by those uh, ideas is something that I've always been, been interested in. So I, I was delighted to see uh, your chapter on this. Um, could you... I guess sort of briefly tell us what your chapter is about and, and then we can delve into it in a bit more uh, detail. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the chapter comes out of some thinking and some work that I've been doing over the last few years where um, I've really been trying to engage with the idea of interdisciplinarity and what that means and what the opportunities but also the limitations are of pursuing interdisciplinary research in uh, in universities pr- primarily um, and that really comes out of my own experience as somebody who um, has a multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary background in terms of my studies and and in terms of my my current work um, and especially out of a, a frustration with the disciplining tendencies um, in, a, in a, I suppose, in a, in a Foucauldian sense, uh, the disciplining um, governing tendencies of universities when it comes to defining work as being uh, law or being politics or being sociology or being international relations or some other discipline or even as being say transitional justice as opposed to 
human rights or as opposed to transformative justice, a concept that I um, use in, in this piece and, and several others. Um, in my view, that's something that's parallel with but overlapping with transitional justice rather than within transitional justice. But this piece in particular is is engaging with that that question of what do disciplines and fields mean for transitional justice and is there an advantage and really positing that there is an advantage to thinking and acting beyond disciplines and beyond fields and there by extension including the title uh beyond transitional justice and in and seeking not to limit the um, scope of thoughts and also the scope of actions when it comes to responding to issues um, like conflict, like um, historic injustice, like um, authoritarian rule, like human rights abuses and so on. Um, so what I do in the chapter is partly um, set out how other people have talked about transitional justice and defined it as a as a field or maybe non-field as uh, Christine Bell uh, whose work I, I draw on heavily in this in this piece and in the collection as a whole um, uh, put it and then seek to kind of identify what the issues or what some of the issues might be with defining transitional justice in those ways um, and then imagining and proposing ways of looking beyond those limitations, I suppose, um, which leads me to this notion of post-disciplinarity, which is something I've engaged with in some other publications um, over the last two or three years, um, which I guess I'll probably say a bit more about in, in a moment, but that's uh, something that I then explore towards the end of the chapter um, as a not necessarily a solution to all problems um, by any means, but as a notion that might be helpful for scholars and practitioners might address some of the limitations of transitional justice as a field of practice and scholarship and some of the limitations of academic disciplines in general, but maybe a in particular of the two or three academic disciplines which have a particular hold on questions around justice in transition, law especially, but also, say, politics or political science, um, maybe a couple of other ones um, that have been particularly influential in shaping this field or defining this non-field as something vaguely coherent um, which has its benefits in a, in, a, in a sense. We can see what we're talking about when we talk about transitional justice. Maybe, sometimes we might disagree, but there's some something there. But there maybe are, are, are problems with that as well. And by drawing those borders and by defining things in these disciplinary ways, maybe something's left out. And perhaps post-disciplinarity is a way of including some of those things that are left out and moving beyond those boundaries. And I set out a few uh, possible next steps quite tentatively in the in the very final part and the conclusion of the chapter. Thank you, Matt. I want I want to pick up on a, a couple of, of uh, points from within that. I guess the the point I would like to 
to start with is, as you mentioned, the sort of the dominance of, of law in transitional justice. And obviously this is an idea that's been around for a long time. For instance, Kieran McAvoy explored it in his Beyond Legalism piece back in, I think, 2007. Um, and it's something that, that Rachel and Colleen and I have been exploring in our own work. In your view, given that transitional justice is, as you've said, like this, this field that draws on all sorts of disciplines, why does law continue to dominate? And from your own research, like what is the impact of that? Like how does that shape transitional justice? I think that's a good question. Um, I think there are probably a number of ways that that that, that it uh, continues to shape um, practice. And I think especially in the idea of when transitional justice is fairly narrowly defined, um, it tends to be in, in um, terms that are very much about the law or about quasi-legal methods. So justice understood in a very formal sense about courts issuing judgments um, or somewhat um, less... Um, not necessarily less legal, I suppose, but less um, embroiled in the in the criminal law than maybe things like truth commissions, which have a very uh, formal structure typically and have members who are not necessarily judges, but they they kind of sit in a in a panel as commissioners, which is somewhat similar to a um, to a trial or a very formalised process like a um, government uh, inquiry or a judicial review or something like this, where if it's not law in a very narrow sense, it's 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 certainly legal. It looks quite legal, and lots of the people involved are likely to be lawyers. Um, um, and I think some of the implications of that are about what kinds of things are viewed as possible and what kinds of things are viewed as important and to some degree what words like justice are taken to mean, um, which in turn limits or defines and to quote Oscar Wilde, you know, to, define, to define is to limit um, what can um, what can be done or what is thought to be possible and i think the reasons probably go back to um the origins of transitional justice uh, or at least what we tend to talk about as the origins of transitional justice in the sort of post-world war ii um era of um war crimes trials um, and then transitions to democracy in some Latin American countries uh, throughout the sort of uh, 1970s and 1980s, where criminal law and things like establishing democracy and the rule of law understood in a fairly narrow formalistic sense were the dominant practices. They were the things that were viewed as important. The people who were involved were often lawyers. 
and or organisations which have a strong overlap with law, like the UN. I mean, the UN even being created, uh, some somewhat legal um, entity, you know, makes treaties, involves a lot of a lot of law. It creates international law. You know that this is um, part of it, which I then think leads to, to these issues that I already mentioned. This sort of definition of well, what what even what do we mean by justice? And to give a slightly caricatured version of a, of a, of a lawyer's view, then maybe what we mean by justice is a judgment in a courtroom, or, or maybe what we mean by transition um, is needs to be defined in legal terms about uh, constitution that legally guarantees um, a certain enumeration of rights and uh, establishes the the rule of law and that's kind of neat and it, and it, and it does something but one might question whether that's everything or whether that's enough or whether that's the most important, or at least the most important understanding or issue for people most affected by a conflict or authoritarian rule, which leads to other conceptions, which I think sometimes are crowded out by this um, institutionalized, professionalized um, dominance of law. Not the law is the only discipline that has a a key influence on transnational justice, but I think that's some of the reasons why it does, and some of the reasons why it might at least sometimes be a bad thing. Thanks, Matt. I, I realise that these are hefty questions to ask you in the context of a relatively short podcast. Um, the second sort of big point I want to pull out in relation to your chapter then is this notion of post-disciplinarity that you've already mentioned. Um, so, I guess, could you say a little bit about what it is? Uh, I mean, you've touched on already sort of why why the notion appeals, um, I guess, for the purposes of the podcast. Uh, I guess, what does or what would like post-disciplinarity look like in the context of transitional justice? Yeah, so I think um, how I've um, defined post-disciplinarity, which draws heavily on them, um, Andrew Sayer, who's written about this um, going back 20 plus years, actually, um, and a few other scholars, but it, not that many, <laughs> sort of uh, engage with the, the concept or trying to define it. But how I've defined it really is about looking beyond disciplines and the tools that they provide and the assumptions they provide with a view to trying to address questions or issues of concern by using the most appropriate tool for that question rather than by starting from a set of tools which can then be applied to some questions or some issues but maybe not so much to other ones so it's it's um in terms of thinking about it, it it's maybe flipping the direction by which you might approach something so if you have a, a disciplinary toolkit, you maybe open that up and think, okay, I have these tools and I can use them for these kinds of things, and that's what I'll do. Whereas post-disciplinarity um, suggests that what we should do, well, at least some of the time, is 
the other way around. There's this issue, there's this problem, there's this idea. What tools do we need in order to understand that or address it? Um, now, that's quite easy to say. It's maybe harder to do. And I don't think that we can completely escape um, disciplines, at least not under current circumstances. And this is partly why I um, put forward a notion of uh, post-disciplinarity as opposed to suggesting moving back to pre-disciplinarity. It's something I talk about in a different piece um, in a little more detail. Um, so there are those who argue that pre-disciplinarity um, is where um, you know disciplines hadn't really been established um, as we understand them now until maybe the late 19th century, the early 20th century. Um, little by little, things became more and more defined and siloed into departments and universities and these sorts of things. But before that, the idea of uh, you know a clear distinction between science and uh, philosophy, say, was um, not necessarily that big a, big a deal. Um, um, but also within what we might call the social sciences or the humanities or both of those, there were a lot of um, crossovers and different um, ideas and techniques um, and theories were developed without regard for um, focusing only on economics or law or philosophy or politics um, and lots of very influential um, scholars um, might have been said to be pre-disciplinary um, whether that's uh, Weber or Marx or various other people who are kind of part of the Western canon of, of um, social science and humanities scholars. But at the time, they weren't really um, sociologists or philosophers or economists because those disciplines didn't really exist in that sense. And that arguably is for the good because it allows um, shifting across different ideas and um, techniques and the development of new ones. But I say we can't, we can't really move to, to pre-disciplinarity because that process of disciplining has happened. Um, so it's it's after disciplines and beyond disciplines in, in the sense of post. Um, and I think that in practice, it's about trying to where where it is possible to do so trying to strive to be beyond those those limitations of uh, a discipline that you maybe have been placed in and sometimes this is external like certainly a thing that i find being based say in a, in a law school at the moment having never studied law um as a, a sort of named degree uh, beforehand and not considering myself to be a lawyer so what kind of thing do i do it's maybe not law or it's not only law or it's not just law um, and I, I set out a few kind of tentative ideas of how even one might try to, to move beyond the, the constraints of disciplines um, without suggesting that it's as, as easy as uh, clicking your fingers and uh, you're uh, you know, emancipated from the disciplinary uh, chains um, which uh, 
to draw on, say, a sort of provocative uh, work about post-disciplinarity there. Thanks, Matt. I, um, yeah, I guess my final question then would be one. So I think this is, is relevant for your chapter and also the edited collection as a whole. So when we're thinking about scholarship that critically reflects on the nature of, of the field or the boundaries of the field, I guess I, I sometimes find myself wondering at what point that reflection stops being like useful and maybe approaches a sort of navel gazing, you know, that actually stops us from moving forward. And I'd just be interested to hear your reflections on on the value of this sort of critical reflective work. And um, yeah, is there a point at which it perhaps stops being useful for us as, as academics? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think that um, I try in in the chapter to link what could be seen as quite a theoretical and um, disconnected question about defining transitional justice, defining disciplines, um, to some more concrete ideas about, well, what is it that we do and how can we do it differently? And also how might that affect practice, which is of course shaped um, whether directly or indirectly by um, scholarship. So exactly where a line might be, I I would uh, not like to hazard a guess, I suppose. But um, whilst I am certainly engaged in a certain degree of academic autophagia um, here and in some of my other work, um, I don't think it's without use, if you like. Um, and this is this is a, a concern that I've um, had in terms of sometimes the application of uh, critical theory, and I've written about this as well, and the um, danger of producing uh, bullshit in uh, Harry Frankfurt's terms of fair, something that, that's dishonest without lying, and it, it, theory and uh, discussions that aren't actually actually doing what they're meant to do. So if I say this is going to move forward the field and it's going to change how people practice things, um, I probably wouldn't make claims that grand, but is it though? <laughs> is it actually useful for that um, or or, uh, or not? And I think something like post-disciplinarity, it, it's useful and this kind of reflection is useful because as scholars, especially those of us who teach, we are shaping the, the field in quotation marks. Um, and that means shaping how scholars think about things, and it means shaping how practitioners, and including future practitioners who maybe are our current students, think about things and how they do things. And that then has an impact. So some of the problems I identify with disciplinarity, and particularly the dominance of law, uh, that there's perhaps a certain way of thinking, and therefore a certain set of tools that are applied in practice as well as in scholarship to transitional justice, which leaves some things out. But to reflect on that and reflect on the place of disciplines and disciplinary tools at least allows for the possibility of not doing that, I suppose. That even if you are a lawyer by profession, of being um, engaged with 
questions around what does law do and what doesn't it do and what else could there be which allows for thinking um, beyond uh, beyond those limitations. Um, I also very tentatively suggest that post-disciplinarity might contribute in some ways to decolonization. I think that's potentially true in that um, thinking beyond disciplines after they've been established, particularly in the Western and by extension colonial university, um, allows for the possibility of other knowledges and ways of thinking to be addressed and for reflection on the impacts of disciplinarity, university, and um, wider Western hegemony on um, exactly the kinds of injustices that we might be interested in um, looking at and hoping to address in some way in transitional justice or transformative justice. I'm partly tentative about this because I think the idea of um, decolonization only as ways of thinking is is uh, obviously limited. And I think it's uh, Kojo Karam has uh, said in, in um, his recent book that decolonization is an event, um, thing that happened or is happening in some ways, rather than only being about thinking a bit differently and also being a western-based global north white scholar saying i've got this idea that decolonizes things maybe it's also already um, intertwined with not being a fully uh, kind of decolonized um world uh, but i do think it, it could have a a role in in um pushing scholars and by extension practitioners to think beyond assumptions that have been established by disciplines which are um same but in, in in a Foucauldian sense are, are disciplined as well that then are, are are um shaping what can and cannot be done and should and should not be done and each of these things could be questions and ought to be questioned and that questioning can then extend out of the the, the seminar room and into practice um at least potentially yeah i would agree, Matt, that this, uh, there is, there's a need to think differently as much as transitional justice is relatively young as a, a field, if we're calling it a field, you know, you do still seem, still see, sorry, the, the same sort of problems have, are being discussed over quite a long period of time. And, you know, I think there is a need to look to different tools. And I think the notion of post-disciplinarity is really helpful in that regard. Um, I'll bring this episode to, to a close as I'm uh, aware of, of time. And thank you for doing such a good job of articulating these big ideas uh, in the space of about 20 minutes. Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us, Matt. Um, I'll put uh, relevant uh, links in the show notes so that our listeners can, can follow up on um, the relevant publications that you've mentioned. And yeah, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.